0: Well, I have the great privilege of introducing to us a guest speaker. His name is Joe Odin. He's at the national level for the assemblies of God. He is leading an initiative on on evangelism and on prayer. Could you help me give a warm Westover welcome to Joe Odin? Thanks for coming and sharing the word. God bless. Good morning, Westover. How's everybody doing? Fabulous. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Danae for having me today. It's an honor to be with you guys. My wife doesn't always get to travel with me. We've got three small children, so she's got the big duty and she's gonna get the best seat in heaven. How many of you can say amen to that? Uh, My wife, would you just stand and just uh, so everybody can see you? They thought it was my sister, but no, that's my wife. It's uh, an honor to be with you. I do come to you from from Missouri, but that's not where I'm originally from. Some people call it a mission field. Others call it a foreign nation. I call it Alabama, home of the Crimson Tide. But I won't talk about that. This is a basketball town. How many of you know uh, that you don't have to have your suit just right and your tie just right and read from a certain version of the Bible for God to hear your prayer? How many of you know you can be headed the wrong way with the wrong people and God still hear everything that you say to him? I haven't always been saved. I was a drug addict and a drug dealer addicted to everything that goes along with that lifestyle. And one night I was doing a drug called LSD. How many of you know LSD is not approved by the FDA? (laughs) And I'd taken a bit too much of it that particular night, and I was having what appeared to be an overdose. I was curling up in a fetal position. My back was wrenched. I was very frightened. I was scared. I was contemplating going to the emergency room. And I went home. It was about midnight, and I began to channel surf just really quickly through the stations. And I stopped on a station that people normally do not frequent on an LSD trip, TBN. How many of you know that was a wild combination, LSD and TBN at the same time? There was pink hair on the platform, and it had nothing to do with the drugs. I thought I found the psychedelic channel. There was a guy preaching, and he stuck his finger in the camera. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have stayed long, but as soon as I stopped on the station, the man points his finger in the camera, and he says these words. There's some young people that are watching this program right now, and you're hooked on drugs. You're in a deep, dark cave of drug addiction, but I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ is in the cave with you, and he's going to bring you out of the cave, and he's going to set you free, and when he does, you're going to preach the gospel around the United States of America. When he said that, I got hit by the power of God. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Look, I want to tell some grandmothers and grandfathers, some moms and dads right now, you've raised your kids in church. They've had an encounter, and they might not be living for God right now. I want to tell you, don't fix your eyes on the bondage you can see. Fix your eyes on the God that you cannot see. Because even though it doesn't look like in the natural that God is moving, he's doing something on the inside. Because you cannot encounter the power of the Holy Spirit without something happening on the inside of the individual's life. After that night, I did more drugs than I'd ever done. I began to smoke crack. I began to go stronger in the wrong direction than I'd ever gone before. But on the inside, I knew there was a call of God upon my life. And I did two things that drug addicts normally don't do. Every night before I'd go to bed, I'd pray that God would get me in church. Just real quick, as my head would hit the pillow, God get me in church. And the second thing I began to do was prophesy. Now that might mess with your theology a little bit, but I'm okay with that. And I would be at a party strung out, cocaine in my pocket, marijuana in my hand, and a Budweiser in the other. And I'd get everybody's attention. And I'd stand up and I'd say, hey, everybody, one day I'm going to preach the gospel around the United States of America. (laughs) My friends would be like, Joe, tonight, dude, come on. Do not bust out with you're going to preach the gospel around America. You sell drugs, you're drunk, and it's a buzz kill, and girls don't like it, and I'm with you, and that puts me in a negative situation. <laughs> but I had to let what was on the inside come out. I'd never read the verse, the power of life and death is in the tongue. I'd never read Ezekiel to say things even though they are not as though they are. And so I was prophesying the destiny of my life. When the devil thought he had me bound and it was over, I was prophetically shaping the destiny of what God had called me to be. And about a year and a half into this, I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I was highly intoxicated, and I had a bright idea. (laughs) You ever met a drunk guy with a bright idea? Come on, don't look at me all dignified. You were the drunk guy with the bright idea. Come on, take that look off your face. I thought, I'm going to give the California wave to the car next to me. And they didn't think it was funny. And so they chased us down, and one bright idea was followed by a second. I was, I was inspired that night. And I thought, I'm going to get out of the car with my beer bottle, and I'm going to smack this guy on the head, and then I'm going to get back in, and we're going to continue to party. Point number one, I get out. Point number two, I lift up the bottle. Point number three, I didn't know he was an undercover cop. And, they wrote, and, and about that time, all the police showed up out of nowhere. They were like Philip the Evangelist. It was like they just manifested. <laughs> and they wrote a song about me. Maybe you've heard it before. It goes something like this. I fought the law. Every one of you that knew that song are going to go straight to hell for listening to secular music. It's on video. Pastor Jonathan will be seeing you for a counseling session starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow. I fought the law. The law won. I went straight to jail, and I'm in and out of jail, in and out of jail. The last time the judge put me in, he puts me in for a year, and he starts going, and, but he let me out much earlier, thank God, and he starts going over my probation. He said, you got to go to AA, you got to go to NA. How many of you ever been to A or NA? Just wave your hand up real quick in the back. Keep it up. They're no longer anonymous. There we go. <laughs> Broke the anonymity of Bill Wilson. And and then and then he said you got to go to NA. And then he said and you got to go to church on Sunday and get the bulletin signed by a pastor, or I'm going to put you in jail for a year. How about that for a judge? Thank God for that guy. I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for him. How about God raising up some godly judges and DAs in the United States of America that still have a fear of God and that believe they can get them in a church altar to get set free from alcohol. I didn't need rehab. I didn't need self-improvement. I needed an overhaul. I needed a transformation. And so... So I picked a little assembly of God church in Southern Alabama. And I remember I, the first time I ever walked in and going up to the pastor, you know, it's uh, pastors don't know what's going to happen. You know, you never met the guy, pastor, can I talk to you for a couple of minutes after the service? <laughs> so we walked back and I said, man, I've been a drug addict and a drug dealer, addicted to everything that goes along with that lifestyle. And the judge put me in jail for a year, he let me out much earlier, and he sentenced me to church. And I picked yours. And I thought that girl in the youth group was pretty and I'd like to meet her. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) And so... Uh, so every week they signed my bulletin, and I'm telling you, all the deacons knew him. I, I mean, they had a board meeting. It was about a church of about 110, and they knew everybody, and they had family relationships. It was family owned, and it, you know, it was just a, it was a great place. And and so uh, I'm telling you, the mother-in-law in California, the deacon knew we got a drug addict in the house. What are we going to do? We got a sinner. We got a bona fide sinner that's coming to church. What if he smokes a cigarette in the parking lot? What are we going to do? <laughs> Say, come on in, this is a place for you. Would be to God that every church in America would be full of drug addicts. Thank you for the three amens. Let me, let me walk over here. Would be to God that churches all over America would be filled with people full of the devil and bound by hell, death, and the grave. What better place for people that are bound by the devil than at church and that can get to an altar and get set free? About six months into my church sentence, That's why you're here. You've been to that one, right? <laughs> you got at that sentence like death row. <laughs> Get me off. About six months in, I walked into church. We had Sunday night services. I'd go on Sunday night and I walked in about five minutes late and I stepped into something that I'd never felt there before. Anybody ever been to church one week, showed up the next and the atmosphere was different? You, you, you could sense something. Now, look, I wasn't saved. I was the guy that strategists say, you need to tone it down a little bit because you don't want to spook anybody. Well, I'm telling you, when the real manifestation of the Holy Spirit drops in the room, the only thing that gets spooked is the devil, and the devil needs a good spooking. If it's real and authentic, the worst of sinners are going to be drawn. I wasn't frightened. I thought, I began to have open-eyed visions of the things of God as the guy was preaching. And he was from, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, and about uh, 70 miles east is a town called Pensacola, Florida. And they were experiencing a mighty outpouring of the Spirit called the Brownsville Revival that took place for five years. Millions came through, hundreds of thousands were saved. And you know what? I didn't need a good communicator or a charismatic speaker. I needed somebody with a baptism of fire on their life. I needed an anointing to break a yoke. I had a yoke, and I needed somebody anointed. I didn't need somebody funny. I didn't need somebody to articulate the Greek in a fashion that I've never heard before. I needed somebody that knew how to cast out a devil. Can somebody say amen? He gave the altar call, I jumped up and I ran to the altar as fast as I could, been to three rehabs, been to so much counseling, and I'd go bound and I'd leave bound, but one touch from God. When I bent down on my knees, I was bound by hell, death, and the grave, but when I stood up, I was washed in the blood of the Lamb of God years of addiction and immorality and perversion and bondage was washed away. I experienced 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I believe in the United States of America we're suffering from an intellectual ascension to the gospel and not transformative encounter. America doesn't need a new intellectual approach we need a transformation that goes from death to life. We don't need to make bad people good. We need to make dead people live, and it's supernatural. When somebody gets saved, it's just as supernatural as somebody getting healed of cancer, and we need a transformation. If you haven't experienced a transformation, and the old you died and God created anew in you. This morning is your time. It's your time. It's going to happen to you today. And I was the first person that he prayed for. I'm standing at the altar. He walks up to me. He said, what do you need from God? I gave it my best spiritual shot. I said, I'd like to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Didn't understand the theological ramifications behind my request. He said, okay, he touches me on the head. And the next thing I know, I'm flying back under the power of God. I land on my back. I looked up to God and I said something like this, Lord, that was like, I just smoked a good joint. Some of you looking at me all dignified. I know we're fasting, but I don't think pastor Jonathan's got us on a prune juice fast. Honey. Did that redneck boy from Alabama, bunch of rednecks, did he just equate a move of God with cannabis? Yeah, I I did. Have you ever been touched by God in such a way you didn't have an adjective to depict or describe what was coming into your world from another would be to God, this church would be full of people that were drug addicts that walked in and said, "I don't have the articulation to communicate what is happening to me, but something is coming on me that I've never felt before, and it doesn't. It feels like drugs, but it's pure and it's righteous. And I've been searching for this my whole life. And I, I got up, I got up off the floor. We had these altars that ran across my church, you know. So I sat on it like somebody getting on a horse in downtown Fort Worth." and I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm waiting for this my whole life and I looked up to God. And I said, "Jesus." One of the most sincere things I've ever said to God in my life. I said if my friends that are hooked on drugs could feel this power that's running through my body right now, they'd get born again. I said, "Jesus, my life for the gospel." I walked in that night bound by hell, death, and the grave. I walked out set free, baptized in fire, called to be an evangelist. A moment at the altar transformed everything, and I was created anew. I got born again. And I immediately began to pray. Pastor Jonathan and I were talking about his burden, his heart, his desire, the urgency that people in this house would develop a personal altar. I want to tell you what's on his heart to see God do in this house was the embryonic cornerstone that my Christian life came out of. Nobody was teaching me. I didn't have a pastor like Pastor Jonathan to disciple me in the personal altar, but something on the inside of me said, Joe, you gotta pray, you gotta pray now, you gotta pray a lot, and you gotta pray always. So, miraculously, (laughs) the pastor, I'm only saved a short amount of time, the pastor gave me a key to the church, God bless him, man. He had a lot of faith. So he led me because I wanted to pray all the time. So I'd go up to the church and I'd lay on the floor, and this was my prayer: God, what was on that man that knocked me out? Put it on me. I want to knock people out. That's what I pray, it's pure. I didn't know Christianese. I didn't know how to say, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the manifestation of the spirit of the living God, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, would come upon thy servant, and you would anoint. Now, I didn't know how to talk like that. I'm like, that thing that knocked me down, put it on me. I want to knock people down, God. Let's do it. Every day I prayed that. Prayed it, prayed it, prayed it, prayed it. I was at church. About three months in, I laid hands on an individual and the power of God hit him, knocked him on the ground. Now, it's not about falling on the ground. It's not about a manifestation that's outward, but that's what I prayed for because that's what happened to me. And when he got hit by the power, I thought, Lord, if that's real, you can do it anywhere in my city, (laughs) If, the, if, if God, you can come at this altar, you can come anywhere because, really, we are an altar. We're the place where the presence of God resides. We are a living tabernacle of God. We, we are, we carry the Spirit of God in earth and vessels. So it doesn't matter if we're at a Chult altar or in Walmart, we can create an altar anywhere and everywhere we go. Bless God, Elijah created one in front of about 5,000. And witches and called fire down. God wants us to learn how to create the personal altar so the public altar can show up. Uh, if we want God to show up outside, we got to have a personal place uh, of prayer for Him to do it anywhere. Can we say Amen to that point right now? That was a good addition. So I would go to Conception and Conti Street. Let me. Can, can I be real with you? Can I tell you where I was at? Can I be real? Seven gay bars was where I was go in 1997, next to a Bourbon Street area with thousands of revelers. The corner I hung out on was known for pimps, prostitutes, crack, and crack dealers, and I'd go by myself, and this was my evangelistic strategy. Now, it's deep. Get out your pen and paper, and, and, and you need to probably get a, at least a master's degree for this question. I'd say, have you ever felt the power of God? If they'd say, no, I had a real radical follow-up, yonk to. That's a one-syllable Alabamian sentence, yonk to. And if they'd say yes, I'd say, can I lay hands on you? If, they, if they'd say, I've never, I've I felt it before, I'd say, can I pray for you? I, every time. And you know what happened about the first two or three, 400 people I prayed for? Get ready, Not much. Not a whole lot of action, not a whole lot of manifestation. And you know what happens to good Christians when they hear a message like this? Or you're encouraged by Pastor Jim or Pastor Jonathan to step out in faith? We try it once or twice, and what doesn't happen, we think, well, that's just for Pastor Jonathan, that's just for Pastor Danae, that's just for Pastor Jim, that's just for Pastor Denise, uh, that's not for me, that's for the radical guy. I tried it twice, I got rejected, and you know what we do? We build a principle and a theology around what God didn't do by our actions, maybe not by what we decree in our faith, but by our actions, Never build a principle or a theology around what God didn't do, only what he said he would do. Because I'd read in the Bible things like Mark 16, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll cast out demons. Matthew 10, 7, and 8, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. So I began to fast I added fasting and prayer and I was in the middle of a 40-day fast on the fifth day, I laid hands on a man that was battling an alternative lifestyle right in the middle of this downtown area at about 11.30 at night. And when I put my hand on him, the power of God hit him. He fell to the floor. He gets back up. He repented of his alternative lifestyle. He gave his life to Christ and left a meeting. Look at me right now. That night, I stepped into something and I'm telling you, God wants some of you to step into something, to step under something, to step, uh, to to allow the Holy Spirit to do something in you that he's never done before. How many of you want to see God move through your life uh, in an unprecedented, unpredictable, powerful way? I, I want to tell you, San Antonio doesn't need another definition of Christianity. It needs a demonstration of Christianity. And he wants to pick you and you and you and you. He wants to mantle you with power to walk out in the highways and the byways and demonstrate the power of God. Can you say amen? I'm going to share another story with you, and then we're going to look at the word for a moment, and then we're going to pray. I, I, we, were, we were down there one night, and we had built a public altar. Literally, we'd be down there every, every weekend just praying. We were worshiping the Lord. I told the team, I said, no one witness to anybody till the presence comes. My, our backs are turned, our hands are in the air. And this guy, he walks over to punch my friend in the face. And when he puts his foot on the sidewalk from the black top pavement to strike my friend, when he puts his foot there, the power of God hit him, and he started crying. He stepped into the presence of God. And when he did, we turned around, we led him to Christ, laid hands on him, the power of God hit him, knocked him out right on the street. He gets back up, he said, I'm a Vietnam veteran. He said, I went to church when I came back from Vietnam, and when I did, the pastor told me God doesn't love me, that he will never forgive me for what I did in Vietnam, and I'm not welcome in his church. And when I left that day, I had a spirit of murder, anger, and violence on me. But tonight, Jesus Christ just set me free. He hands the knife to us. He said, I don't want to stick people anymore. I don't want to hurt people anymore. Something has happened on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, it wasn't an intellectual process. I didn't have to convince him in a preset of beliefs. He walked into an encounter with God at a public altar on a public street with a bunch of people that had developed a private altar, and God made an altar on the inside of him, and the presence of God came down, and he was transformed and renewed. Can somebody say amen to that? I'm going to give you really quickly a little bit of theology that goes along with the practice that I've shared with you. We can have a practice, but we need a theology. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible right now is from the book of Luke, uh, chapter three, and it's Jesus. Being introduced by John the Baptist, and he says these words There's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not fit to untie. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. That word baptize in the Greek is baptizo, and it simply means to dip. And what they would do when they would say baptizo in the Old Testament, it wasn't a Christian Judea word. They would take a piece of cloth and they would dip it into a particular dye, red dye, green dye, blue dye. And when they would pull that dye up, uh, it would now take on the characteristics of another. When that cloth would come back up out of the dye, everything that used to characterize it no longer characterized it. Everything that used to identify it no longer identified it. Watch this. It had taken on the identity of another. It had taken on the characteristic of another. And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, what used to identify you doesn't identify you any longer. What used to characterize you doesn't characterize you any longer. Let me just say this. If you're bound by lust, you need to be dipped in the Holy Spirit and re-identified. If you're bound by anger and profanity and you can't quit watching dirty movies, you need to be re-identified identified if you're living in sin if you're an alcoholic you need to be re-identified you need to get baptized in the holy spirit and begin to take on the nature of god almighty the bible says uh, as people were being baptized jesus was baptized as well listen to this and as he was praying heaven opened up and a dove descended upon him in bodily form and a voice came from heaven that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to see the cause and effect relationship. As Jesus began to pray, something happened. Atmosphere began to change. The surroundings began to shift. As Jesus prayed, heaven opened up. I want to tell you that's the cry of my heart when I'm in Walmart, when I'm in a subway, when I'm on an airplane, when I'm at a park. No matter. What Where I'm at, I want to be able to pray and heaven begin to open up because we live in a world that's deprived. We live in a world that needs an encounter. We live in a situation where people need God Almighty. You know, when things are happening like Uvalde Day on more of a regular basis, it's evil incarnate. We're not going to change that just through the ballot box. We've got to do it from the prayer altar and the manifestation of God. When there's a bill... When there's a bill in state legislation that's taken abortion from 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 late term abortion to partial birth abortion to being able now this isn't hyperbole or exaggeration to terminate your baby 20 Eight days old in this particular state, a parent and a doctor at the age 20 could say, We want to terminate the baby. Friend, that governor ought to have a pentagram around his neck and a satanic Bible. That is something that's only going to shift as we pray and God begins to open the heavens. When a Supreme Court justice can't even define what a woman is, we need an awakening in our nation like never before. We need a move of God, unprecedented and undisputed. When Jesus prayed, the heavens opened. I'm telling you, what America needs is not another charismatic message, not another well-to-do service. America needs saints that know how to pray until the brassy heavens begin. Begin to open up uh, and drug addiction melts, uh, alcoholism melts, uh, pornography melts. Somebody say amen right now. Amen. The Bible says in Luke 4.1, Jesus went in the desert full of the Spirit, 4.14, he came out in power. There's one thing that I could live with, leave with you today. And before Jesus came out in power, you know what He had a 40-day personal altar. Before Jesus went public, he had something personal. His private altar turned into a public altar that released a mighty display, Luke 4, 18 and 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor for recovery of sight to the blind, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the oppressed free. How many of you know what it was like before you got saved that you couldn't get out of the cage? you were bound that you were shackled I went to rehabs trying to knock the door open of freedom couldn't do it it was locked Beelzebub had the key self-helps weren't doing me any justice I was bound Jesus said the spirits on me because there needs to be a supernatural power during the proclamation of the cross the resurrection What Jesus was saying is the Spirit comes to empower in a supernatural dimension the message of the cross. You know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The humanity is deprived. We all deserve hell. But Jesus came as a perfect lamb of God, and the Bible depicts him as Lord. He's not just our friend in the sky. He is Lord. And we've got to understand the lordship of Jesus Christ. We can't live any way we want to. We can't do anything we want to. We can't just live our life the way we want to live it. He is Lord. That means he's in control. We don't get a vote. It's not a democracy. It's a theocracy, and and he is king and Lord. When Jesus said, I've come to preach good news, that is what he is talking about. That's good news. And therefore, because we deserve hell, Jesus paid the price and died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. He took our sin upon him and died. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. I don't care what evolution says or your biology teacher might say, we serve a God, we serve a a king that was dead and God raised him from the dead. He's not in a grave. He's not on a cross. He sits at the right hand of God. And the Bible tells us that we've got to repent of our sins. That doesn't just mean feel sorry for our sins. Godly sorrows got to lead to repentance. Judas felt sorry for his sins and didn't make heaven. Judas wept over his sins and didn't make heaven. Judas was remorseful for his sins and didn't make heaven. Jesus made restitu- excuse me, Judas made restitution for his sins and didn't make heaven because Judas, never repented and turned from his sins. There's more to salvation than a forgiveness prayer. We've got to turn and we've got to bow to the Lordship of Christ and put our faith in the work of the cross and the resurrection of the dead so Jesus can transform us. Benny Hinn used to say this, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. People would be jumping out of wheelchairs in his meetings I would think what are you talking about that guy was paralyzed that lady was blind that man was deaf but the longer I'm saved the more that I understand that salvation is a miracle and Jesus was preaching the spirits on me that when I proclaim the gospel the doors swing open and the chains fall off of our feet and we can be free have you ever experienced free before. It is a creative moment that transforms the individual. We've been preaching this intellectual ascension to fundamental beliefs. And I want to tell you, I serve a God that will transform you from the inside out. It doesn't mean that you can't sin again. Your channel's been changed. You don't have the propensity to sin that way anymore. When I got saved, I was living immoral. I broke up with a girl that that I was dating, nobody was telling me that, but something on the inside. I had a wide genre of music. I listened to Tone Loke and Tupac and ACDC, and when I'd pop that in, I'd feel the spirit of God begin to leave. You know, many Christians are entertained by lyrics that Jesus died for. Can I say that one more time? I go to steakhouses, and I listen to secular music, in the steakhouse and I hear people singing all kinds of ungodly stuff. Shake it, hip it, hop it, pop it, drop it. That's not God. Young person, if that's in your iPod, you're serenading Jezebel. Well, that's a clothesline preaching. I'm not clothesline preaching. When you listen to lyrics about immorality, you're not summonsing the Holy Spirit. You're not summonsing angels. You're not summonsing Jesus. Listen to me right now. I want you to hear this. Whatever you serenade, you summons. Whatever you sing to is going to come to you. And a tear in my beer is going to draw it. What we watch, I I stopped watching a lot of things on TV. Nobody was preaching that to me. But when I turn it on, I would feel the Holy Spirit grieve because he's not into adulterating sitcoms. He's not into adultery. He's not into fornication. He's not into people acting out fornication, even if you don't see it on the screen. Are you listening to me right now? Jesus died for that stuff. And we need to be free. So I want to say this Jesus said, He sent me empowered by the Spirit to proclaim to you so you can come out of your cell. Here's the question. If we want to move in the power of God, two things are going to hold us back. One's fear and the second one's sin. I'm not asking you this morning, have you ever come to the altar? Have you ever prayed a prayer? I want you to be real with me. Have you had a moment where everything changed, where you were transformed and recreated? I'm not asking you, do you believe just that Jesus died on a cross? The Bible says, not everyone that says to me in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those that do the will. I want to tell you, Jesus, the the devil understands that Jesus is Lord, I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, have you had a moment where you repented and your life transformed, where you got up different? I'm not saying got up perfect. I'm not saying there's no perfect person in here, including the preacher. I'm not saying you got up and and never sinned again. I'm saying you got saved and things changed in your life. That guy you were dating, you got rid of because he wasn't any good for you. you. The conviction of God began to fall on you. The places you were hanging, you couldn't hang anymore. You had to rearrange a couple of friends. You got right with God. Your your mother, six weeks in, said, man, I hadn't heard Jake use four-letter words in a month. Something's happened to him where you began to get transformed. Your channel got changed. You began to receive from a new So so here's what I want to do in just a moment. If you're not sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. If you've got sin in your life, if you're away from God, we're going to create a personal altar right here for you. If you're not sure if you died today, if you've got sin in your life, I'm talking about habitual, you're walking in sin. Adam and Eve got separated from God because of sin. Sin separates you from God. The blood of Jesus connects you to God. Repentance connects you to God. So here's the good news, and I'm closing with this. God wants to make an exchange with you. This is the greatest news. He wants to take your he wants to take your depression and give you joy he wants to take your immorality and hand you purity he wants to take your sin and give you righteousness he wants to take your rags and clothe you in righteousness so here's what i want to do every head bowed and every eye closed if you're not sure if you died today you'd go to heaven if you've got sin in your life if you're away from god if you're doing things that jesus christ would never do When I count to three, in just a moment, you're going to lift your hands. If you say, Joe, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And you're going to be real. You're going to be serious. You're going to be authentic. If you say, Joe, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I've got sin in my life. There was a day I felt the presence, There's a day, I, but, I, but, I, but I'm not living like I should. I'm far from God. Joe, to be real, I, I don't know if I died today, I'd make heaven. I've got so much sin in my life that I'm walking in, that I'm living in. If you've never had an encounter that led to transformation in your life, if you've not experienced 2 Corinthians 5 17, if any man be in Christ he's a new creation. Old things are gone, behold all things become new. If you're not sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. If you've got sin in your life, if you're away from God, if you want to make a commitment to Jesus today, when I count to three, without hesitation, without thinking, I want you to lift your hand immediately. One, two, three. God bless you. I can't even count all the hands. My God, thank you, Jesus. This is what you're going to do. If you raise your hand, you're going to stand to your feet now. Come on, just stand. Come on, all over this room. If you just raise your hand, in the balcony, I want you to stand. If you need to get right with God, if you need to give your life to Jesus, in the balcony stand. You see, you're not alone right now. If you need to get right with God and you're not standing, you say, man, I need to get right. who, Who are you fooling right now? Come on, stand, stand, stand. All over this room, I want you to stand. If you need to get right with God, if you need to give your life to Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I believe when we do something physically, something happens spiritually. When Jesus called the disciples, he said, get up and come. When he called people to him, Bartimaeus, come here. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. Matthew, the tax collector, come here. When he, he called people to himself. Uh, I believe when we move physically, God moves spiritually. I believe that's a spiritual principle. If you, if you stood to get right with God, I want you to take the next step right now. I want you to slip out from the balcony. I want you to slip out from your row. I want you to come to the altar right now. Come on, come on, come on. Christianity's public. It's a public religion. It's not private. It's a public confession. Come on. If you need to get right with God, I want you to come right now. Come on. 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 If you need to get right with God, you're still sitting there. I'm going to give you a chance. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hurry. If you need to get right with God in the balcony, would you come right now? You're not promised tomorrow. Would you come Hurry, come on, come on, come on. Anybody else, you need to get right with God, I want you to come right now. Come on, this is your moment. This is your time, this is your day, this is your opportunity. If you need to get right with Jesus right now, come on, sir, come on, daddy. Come on, mama. Come on. I know it's a battle. I know some of you are weighing it, contemplating it, deciding right now. Would you give Jesus a shot? The only thing that holds hold you back is pride. It's how the devil felt. He was full of pride. If you need to get right with God, I'm going to give you another moment. This is a holy moment right now at Westover Hills. If you need to get right with God, I'm going to give you, That's what I want to do, Mr. Drummer, I want you to, in just a moment, I want you to give me 15 beats on that snare drum for 15 seconds. Nice and slow, like that. I'm about to give you 15 seconds and we're gonna close the altar. And we're gonna move on. If you need to get right with God, you got 15 seconds right now. Come on. Come on, you got 14 seconds. If you God bless you ma'am, God bless you sir. If you need to get right with God, you got about 10 seconds. Come right now. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the balcony. God bless you in the back. Hurry right now. Run to the altar. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Jesus Jesus People are still coming Jesus 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 Maybe you say, Joe, this is, just continue to pray. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Maybe you say, Joe, this is my first time in church. This is is unique. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to take your hands and turn them up like this. You have to lift them high. Many of you are going to receive Jesus today for the first time. I just want you to lift your palms up. And we're going to pray. There, the, salvation is not tied in a prayer, but it's a confession. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're going to be saved. The full counsel of God, you've got to repent. But we're going to repent of our sins today. And we're going to ask Jesus to come into our life and change us. And you know what's going to happen? Some of you have got to change some relationships. Get rid of articles of affection. You need to get under a pastor, a leader. You need to get water baptized. And you need to get plugged into this church. I want us to pray right now. Dear Jesus, come on, we're going to pray out loud. Dear Jesus, forgive me. I am a sinner. I've sinned. I've hurt you. And I've hurt others. Jesus, I ask you this morning to forgive me of my sin, to wash me in your blood, to change my life. Jesus, this day, I give myself to you, Jesus. I ask you to change me. I ask you to deliver me. And I ask you to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to remain at the altar. We're going to begin to pray for you in a minute. Pastors on staff are going to help me. We're going to begin to pray for you that you would encounter the presence and the power of God. Maybe some of you are still sitting out there. You love God. You're saved. But on some of the stuff I was talking about, about being a witness in culture, You can't remember the last time you shared the gospel. No condemnation in any shape, form, or fashion. You know, when I was in high school, nobody ever witnessed to me. I can't remember one time I was a drug dealer and a drug addict. (laughs) I was the top candidate. Nobody came to me. I don't know how many Pentecostal youth groups were at my church. Excuse me, at my school. Nobody came to me. Nobody exhibited Pentecost to me. They didn't exhibit the power to witness, which is an evidence. If you'd say, Joe, I, 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 I want to make a commitment to begin to share Christ in a fresh way, I want you to join us at this altar right now. I want you just get out of your chair and come. You might be in the bag. You might get in line. The altar is slammed. But just making the commitment right now. Maybe you just feel comfortable standing. Say, Joe, I want to share Jesus Christ. This is Christianity 101. What I'm talking about is Christianity 101. We're all called to share. We don't even get, we don't get an option in sharing Christ. He said, if you're my disciple, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Are you a fisher of men? That's not a Joe statement. That's not a Pastor Jonathan statement. (laughs) Jesus said, if you're my disciple, let me break it down. I'm Alabamian. If you're my disciple, you're going to attempt to win souls. That's like an attribute. Tim Duncan played center for the San Antonio Spurs. He knew how to slam dunk. It was a prerequisite. It came with the job. Sharing the gospel comes with Christianity. Let's just gently lift our hands right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now. I ask you to come right now, Jesus. I ask you to come right now, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come, Holy Spirit come, Holy Spirit come.